This episode is brought to you by PayPal's Small Business Bootcamp Series. For more of my career than not, I was very comfortable and very safe. It's actually the times in my career where things were the toughest or the hardest or I had setbacks or really pushed myself out of those comfort zones is when I really thrived. I guess I just try to kind of enjoy and embrace the journey as it was. Like I played basketball because I enjoyed it. I never thought I'd make all this money and have this house. And there's a lot more to it than just like a salary and all that stuff. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realize there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Every single week, I'm amazed at how generous people are with their time in agreeing to jump on the show. But every now and then, a guest says yes, who I reached out to 1000% expecting a polite no, if not total radio silence. And this week, we have two of those who I admire so much, not only as separately incredibly impressive individuals, but also as a wonderful couple who navigate careers, compromise and continual growth together in a way that made me fall a little bit in love with them, as you'll probably hear. Yes, I know, I come on real hard and real fast. And if you don't like how obsessed I get with all of our guests, this might not be the place for you. (laughs) On the one hand, we have an Adelaide boy, Joe, whose big dream was playing basketball for his state, but who went far beyond that to find himself at the pinnacle of the game, playing for the NBA for the Utah Jazz and leading the Boomers to our first ever Olympic medal in basketball in Tokyo earlier this year. On the other hand, we have Renee, a superstar netballer tearing up the court for the Melbourne Fixens and then the Australian Diamonds, pulling in a host of accolades too long to list here along the way before she retired to focus on motherhood. You can see why I couldn't believe they were happy to sit down to share the yay or even had the time to, especially as it was their first interview together in two years and Joe's first since the Olympics. And as usual, I loved tracing through their ways to yay, but most enjoyed the parts we don't hear about as much with everything from the real story of how they fell in love, the challenge of moving countries with three kids and juggling two big careers, their son's diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, and the many endearing in-betweens of the Ingalls family. I so enjoyed getting to know two hardworking, family-focused humans who are far more normal than their bios might suggest. Their work with charities Culture City and four ASD kids nearly brought me to tears. And Renee is just weeks away now from running her first ever marathon to raise funds for the fight for inclusion and acceptance, spurred by her son Jacob and his bestie Oliver who face their own fears and challenges every day. And I'd love the neighborhood to get behind her where you can. I'll talk more about that and share links at the end. I hope you guys enjoy this delightful duo as much as I did. Joe and Renee Ingalls, welcome to the show. 
Wow. Yeah. Excited to be here. I've listened to you for a while now. I'm very excited to be on the other side. Oh, it is such an honor. As I said before, a little notification just came up saying Joe Ingalls is in the waiting room. And I was like, wow, I haven't seen that dude since I watched him play live in 2018. And I mean, we made best friends then. So it's lovely to see you again. <laughs> we were closer there at the game than we are right now with everything true. going on. So that's yeah. true. Long time no see. Long time. Long time. How you been? <laughs> Great. A lot's changed since whatever year that was, 18, 19. So yeah, different world we live in today. I know. Gosh, it's crazy. It still feels like we're in a movie. I'm still waiting to wake up and be like, oh, I can come over to Utah. Otherwise, <laughs> I would have made the trip. I would have been like, this is a business yeah. expense. I need to come over yeah. and see Joe and Renee and just hang out with Bianca, the Utah gal. <laughs> I know. I Honestly, we just hope that this is all a bad dream and that one day we wake up and that things have changed because we actually haven't been home to Australia in over two and a half years now. And had you told us that two and a half years ago, we would have just laughed at you and said, absolutely not, you know, family and friends and Australia is such a huge part of who we are. So we're missing normal life like a lot of people are. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny though. You know, I often try and find at least the silver, like I'll, it's a stretch some days, but there's always a small silver lining. And I think about this all the time. Imagine doing this. If there was all, ever going to be a global pandemic, imagine doing it without the internet, like before FaceTime oh. and before Zoom. What oh. would you have done? Like smoke signaled your family in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that, yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> 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 yeah. FaceTimes. You would yeah. have been done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awful, awful thought. But it has been a great leveler also. And on that note, Renee, now you'll know from listening to the podcast that uh, I like to start with a little leveler, a bit of an icebreaker to ask everyone what the most down to earth or relatable thing is about them, which is a bit of a weird question. But I think it's just really important because you do often get this glossy surface level identity when you read the media or social media and particularly in the case of you guys where both of you have had stellar careers and are known around the world for your achievements if we walked into your life at this chapter you could easily assume that you've always had this level of purpose of clarity of direction but you know there's always so much behind the scenes as well so what's something really relatable about you and why don't you answer for each Ooh. other <laughs> you can dish the dirt on the snoring or <laughs> <laughs> I'm a snorer. I can happily. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely a snorer. If I sleep on my back or if I have a couple too many beers, my snoring is. <laughs> on, uh, on, yeah, yeah oh, it's more of a couch night if I come home after a few beers. But, <laughs> oh, it's a couch yeah. night. But she can't, she can't get me with that one. I'm well aware and I'm very comfortable within myself with that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Yep. Get it out. Get ahead of the story. <laughs> she'll just belt me or elbow me if I, because I actually enjoy sleeping on my back sometimes, but <laughs> she'll like belt me and elbow me if she like, you're snoring on your back and I roll over on the side again. And... The sacrifices you make, Joe, you know, it's hard. I know. I'm committed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. No, I think in answering your question, I think, when people look at our Instagrams or look at our story on paper or even just, you know, sort of think about Joe being an NBA player, it, the generalisation is that it's a pretty luxurious, sparkly, glamorous life. And I think at the end of the day, there's, especially for us, 
less of that than any of the sparkle. If you could see the mess behind this camera right now. Yeah, it's actually, uh, <laughs> and obviously even more so now during the pandemic, but even beforehand, it's actually quite a lonely existence and that's for both of us. So, yeah. you know, when Joe's on the road, he gets to stay in nice hotels and they fly in charter flights and get nice meals and all of that. But at the end of the day, he's lying in a hotel bed alone or watching TV and stuff and missing out on what the kids and I are doing here back home. And then the reverse, I'm home with the kids down, getting dirty and messy. Wishing she was in the and, hotel. <laughs> you know, exactly. Wishing yeah. she was doing the reverse. And I think at the end of the day, what, probably I think we hope keeps us grounded and is most relatable is just that our kids are our world. So, you know, you can have all the accolades or the basketball or, you know, any of the fancy bright lights and designer clothes or nice cars or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's just about our kids and 98% of our day revolves around keeping those kids happy and healthy. And then everything else comes second to that. So, you know, just like any average parents I guess you could say and from Joe's perspective you know you look at his last couple of years and and what he's achieved on the basketball court and off the basketball court um, which to me is probably more important at the end of the day he's my husband Joe and he's the kid's dad like his dad he's not Joe Ingalls the NBA player yeah. or the bronze medalist at the Olympics he's his dad you know? although some days I come home and all the Miller's friends call me Mr. Joe Ingalls that is true. <laughs> They, they that all, is so cute. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, like they call Miss Renee or Mr. Joe, but sometimes they get a bit like jokey with it and they're like, and then Miller will come home and be like, Joe Ingalls, Joe Ingalls, Joe Ingalls. <laughs> but, um, oh like my gosh. All within pretty funny games because, yeah, I could have a career high or have the worst game in the world and I obviously get to come home and regardless of that, I'm dad and I'm still taking the trash out or whatever. Like yeah, we, we're very regular people. We are very, very <laughs> boring. Yeah, very boring. People. So when I got asked to go on the housewives of Salt Lake City or whatever you call it. Like Stop it. Oh my gosh. And another one of my teammates' wives did as well. And obviously she was never going to do it from her own. Well, neither of us would have wanted to do it. There's but no way. Yeah, I can already see. It's like not your vibe. <laughs> we would already laugh. We would laugh about it all the time because it would be like, like literally, like if you could see there's like kids cr- crap everywhere. Everywhere. And we were like, they would be like, oh, what, what are you guys going to do today? Like for the filming or like we're not, like we played laser tag for like four hours in the house. Like <laughs> wedding and populist and like. And then we've got to drive the kids to school or therapy or we've got to go to swimming lessons or a soccer game. But other than, like, you're not going to get too many parties or any fun stuff out of us. Glamour moments. Yeah, I think we would have been the the first, probably quickest to be hired and fired on a reality TV show, purely out of boredom. In bed bed at 9 o'clock every night, up at school. (laughs) It would have been extremely boring, but, yeah. We're very, very lucky and have wonderful opportunities to live a great life because of what Joe does, but it's actually all of the small things that we probably appreciate more on a daily basis. And it gives us an opportunity Aww. to give back and yeah, that's the, the most rewarding part out of it. 
That was a really long-winded answer. Yeah, so Maybe cool. we, obviously, we obviously think we're very grounded. <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to prove anything. We are so, we are like so down we to earth. We are so like, down to earth. Like unbelievable. We are under the ground. Our we are in the earth. actually cooking behind yeah, us right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this is why I love this show so much because even that answer is amazing. Like people forget you guys have to take out the rubbish. Like you have normal parent family life things and even though you do get all the accolades and that's all wonderful and that's what the media love to focus on and when they tell your story what the bit that I think is more exciting and that makes it so lovely to get to know who you are when you're not that because you you can't take all that stuff with you it means a lot to you obviously along the way but it's not the be all and end all and what I had picked as my answer if I was going to speak on your behalf because we're best friends obviously obviously uh, that I thought (laughs) made you really down to earth was you did get after four fourth places of the boomers in three olympics that the first bronze medal from the olympics that you brought home miller was like well i won bronze too in my soccer participation medal (laughs) it's literally hanging like right there and so our medals they're the same they're the same medal obviously i was like well that's humbling (laughs) yeah it's in our living room like we can see it from here like laying on a door in our living room next to miller's so every time miller opens the door it's like Clink, clunk, clunk, bang, bang, fully dented. And yeah, it was a very grounding moment after like probably the biggest achievement of my basketball career. Yeah, Miller was like, yeah, cool, but I got one last year when I was playing soccer. It's like, all right. It's so, it's they're obviously the same. Well, it works in the absolute reverse of that as well. Like, there have been some hard losses that Joe's taken, or I remember when you came home after losing that last playoff match and we all had breakfast here together and Miller was like did you win and you're like no and she was like, okay win next time so what are we having for breakfast like it just oh, I think moving it, right I along think kids keep yeah. you grounded yeah they keep you grounded yeah I get a reality oh, check God. most games yeah <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing about children as well. I just love that they have no perception that you're like super famous and really successful. It's just like your your <laughs> yeah. mum and dad. I do get some like random hellos and whatever in the streets and Miller always Miller's very switched on with it. It's always like, What why did he just say hello to you? I'm like, <laughs> oh, I just I don't I don't even know why. Is he your friend, Dad? Yeah, yeah, are you a friend? Are you are you mate? Like me, is that chick on the, oh, she's your friend. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. 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 I know Whatever. who she is. <laughs> Be quiet. Get in the back of the car. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, as I mentioned to you guys before we started recording, I think because there is so much out there, so much material out there on the amazing things you have done. Of course, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the highs of your career, but also to talk about how you got there, all the chapters that don't get any airtime, but that have formed who you are. And also all the work that you've done once you do have a really big platform a lot of people don't necessarily do anything with it but you guys have gone on to do some really really wonderful work based on your family experience so I'd love to spend a little bit more time on that stuff today because it is such a privilege to have you both I know it's the first interview you've done in two years together so I feel yeah. very very privileged right it's now the first thing I've done <laughs> since the Olympics I did one quick like two minute thing after a couple of days after on one of my friend's radio shows in Adelaide just because she asked and I was like yeah cool we were sitting literally sitting like a but this is like the first, the first one. So oh my gosh, so much yay. Because you guys are besties. See if we remember what happened. 
it's because we're best friends. Besties, so. yeah. yeah, it's what you do for it's what you know what? You it's do. what you do for family, really. <laughs> yeah. Family first. We spoke about this. <laughs> <laughs> so your way TA, I think one of the most interesting things in people's stories is going back to their childhood Ooh. and finding out at what point they stopped making decisions based on what they love and find interesting and start letting like societal expectations about success and career and then like how you get how all the dot points start that then ultimately lead you to where you ended up. And particularly with both of you being elite sports people, I think it's very, you know, the smallest minority percentage of people who say they have a dream of playing for the NBA or playing for the Vixens or, you know, the Diamonds and people who actually go on to be able to do that and not have to substitute another career in at some point. You guys are in, you know, such a small percentage of people. So, did you have those dreams, both of you, from childhood? Were you always sporty? Joe, you were in Adelaide at Lake Ginandera College. Renee in Melbourne at Mother Christie and Carey. Like Goodness you were school life. The girl does her research. Gosh, childhood. I loved my childhood. I have two siblings I'm the oldest of three so I've got a younger brother and a younger sister and two beautiful parents who gave us absolutely every opportunity in the world to choose or be passionate about whatever it was we wanted that to be so I played two musical instruments I did about 10 different sports and I'm not even joking there was netball basketball swimming tennis taekwondo dancing (gasps) yeah I you name it I did it all so And so did my siblings. So my parents were literally just a taxi service for all of us and gave us (laughs) too many amazing opportunities. And she grew up in the middle of nowhere, so there was like a legit A lot of driving (laughs) with mum and dad and late-night dinners and homework and too late after sports and all of that sort of thing. But we were really, really lucky and a really, really close-knit family. Grew up in the patch, which I was known as the cabbage patch kid later in life during my career. Um, oh, that's no one, so sweet. No one knew where the patch was. So meeting Joe, who was from Happy Valley, who no one else knows where Happy Valley is. It was, it was <laughs> meant to be. It was a match made in You know what these small towns were like. But For me, my real passions were netball and basketball and that's what I've sort of into my teen years went on with. I was a lot better at netball and when it came down times to making decisions of which sport I really wanted to put my heart and soul into, it was netball for me, one, because I was better at it and two, because I had some really close-knit friendships and stuff in there as well. So the way I came through the pathways back in the day was very traditional. So played at each state level, I captained at each state level and then made my way into the Melbourne Phoenix, which it was at the time, which is now the Melbourne Vixens. And I remember in grade six having posters on my wall of the Australian netball team at the time and saying, I really want to play for Australia one day. And mum has said this to me later in my life that she just at the time patted me on the back and went, mm-hmm, that's great. Dream big. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Anything is possible. <laughs> that's right. I'll support you, but just work hard. Trying's a really great thing. So, <laughs> you know, I think once I got into those middle teen years and realized that, you know, maybe this could be a thing. That's when I really started making all my decisions based around what was going to be best for my netball. I moved schools halfway through year 10, which I really didn't want to do, but my parents found that was the best thing for me. And I really struggled with that because I think as a 
older, more experienced athlete before I retired, I think you look back on your journey and all of the decisions that you made and very early in my career and for, for more of my career than not, I was very comfortable and very safe and realised that I liked that feeling. And then it's actually the times in my career where things were the toughest or the hardest or I had setbacks or really pushed myself out of those comfort zones and, you know, moved to the Adelaide Thunderbirds is when I really thrived. I love learning and I think my entire life, whether that's been schooling or my career in netball or now with kids, learning is my passion. So that's when I get the best out of myself and I think that's kind of how I got to where I am today. I don't like learning. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. <laughs> and I don't like it either. <laughs> you know what the great thing is about you two is that you both had your biggest decision wasn't letting go of the big dream and like settling for a normal career. It was letting go of all the other sports you were already good at <laughs> and <laughs> which one to go pro in. <laughs> Both of your stories. Well, I wish I'd chosen one that paid more at the time, that's for sure. Yeah, me too. The wonderful thing that female sport, I think, gives us and has certainly given me, especially back, you know, when I came into the system almost 20 years ago, which is terrifying, is that, you know, there wasn't the netball, the financial side of things wasn't there. So it didn't set you up for the rest of your life. So my parents were huge on study and me still doing really well in school and having a career outside of netball. And I remember at the time just thinking, this isn't what I want to do. I'll do it. (laughs) And I was a good student and did it all. But now I'm so grateful that I guess I came through when I did because, you know, life after netball is, you know, just as tough, if not tougher than what it is just getting to run around each weekend and do what you love. So Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to ask you about that too, because I think that identity shift, once you do move out of something that's been your focus your entire life, is a huge challenge. What do you do after the dream? That It can be so difficult. Joe, what about you first (laughs) on the way there? I mean, every kid who loves basketball wants to play in the NBA, but (laughs) I mean, how many Australians have actually done that? You're you're one of, like, I can count on, you know, two hands. It's crazy. Yeah, I guess very similar to Renee. Uh, I was very lucky as a kid, just me and my older sister, mum and dad, and it's very similar, like kind of got everything we wanted, played as many sports as we wanted. Mum, dad, obviously driving us to, to bar. I played basketball, cricket and AFL were kind of the three that I was kind of, I guess, focused on more than, than anything else. And my sister wasn't massive into sports, played a bit of like casual netball and stuff, but she played the piano and was way better at school than what I was. Went to a private school and kind of went down that path. I went to a public school where basketball was actually a subject. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I knew very early on I wanted to play basketball. Like I wanted to play, I grew up in Adelaide, I wanted to play for the 36ers. The Adelaide 36ers was the be-all and end-all. Brett Maher, who was the captain and a friend now was was their best player and I wanted to be Brett Maher. Like that was my <laughs> dream. I wanted to then obviously play for Australia, watching as you get older and can kind of realise what the Olympics are and stuff like that. So, yeah, very, very kind of normal childhood, I guess. Parents got divorced as we were pretty young, which was I don't think at the time I even worried about it. I was just like, oh, cool. Like now I can get $20 off mum and $20 off dad. <laughs> but... We ended up living with my dad and my dad worked away a lot of the time. So it was really me and my sister as housemates, I guess you call it, as like 14, 15-year-olds. And he would come back on weekends and 
I remember like getting my sister to write me notes to like miss school and stuff because I would count <laughs> as my like guardian. Oh my god, amazing! And the only other thing, like, it's a, a bit of a funny story. I remember when I think it's like year eight or nine, whatever, where you're picking your subjects to work out like what you want to be. You want to be a doctor, or like you need to do this, or and Mrs. O'Reilly, who was my teacher at the time, I still red hair, short little glasses. And I was sitting like, I hope she's listening right now. Oh, she would have heard that. I've told this a couple of times before, but I was sitting next to my mum as I'm going through and she said, well, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to play basketball. That's, and obviously at this age, I'm 40. I feel like I'm very well aware. Like that's what I want to do. It's not like, I hope every kid gets a great education, but I hated school. I didn't really, I went to the school purely for basketball. I didn't go to make friends. I didn't go to get it. I went to to play basketball complete opposite yeah. like those yeah. meetings where i had to pick my subjects were stressful for um, me i had to get it right and i <laughs> and i said that and she said oh like you've got to pick something a bit more realistic and <laughs> all i remember happening was my mum like under the table like grabbing my leg and being like because i have a bit of a potty mouth and will say what's on my mind and was ready to like as a 14 or whatever i would like yell at her and swear at her <laughs> I was just like, at the, in the end of it, I was like, whatever. Like, I don't really care what you think. I'm basically not going to go to school anyway. I'm going to go figure this basketball thing out. And I just kept, I guess, pushing and pushing to, to get to, to that part and left home when I was 16 and went to the AOS, which Renee, we actually would have met at the AOS if she she turned it down and I went, which we wouldn't probably I'm be sitting here today. For that. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be that way. <laughs> yeah, so I, I left. We'll home. get to that story too. We'll get to the meeting story. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> So like from, I guess, like 14, 15, we lived by ourselves. And at 16, I moved to Canberra. So I've kind of been, I guess, a bit more like, I wouldn't say mature, but I probably grew up a little bit quicker. And just, yeah, I was just obviously so locked in on this basketball thing, basketball, cricket, AFL. I, I think I was decent at all. I might have wouldn't say, but similar to Renee, like I chose basketball purely because of the friends I was playing with. I didn't know if I was any better at it at the time or not, but I had some really cool friends that I wanted to play with and didn't really want to play outside in the rain and AFL and that as well, or the, or the sun <laughs> too hot in the summer. I love that's uh, your reason. The cricket, cricket season rain, was like nah. too hot. And then there was like 8am in the mud at the AFL. And I was like, you just go play in this heated gym. And I obviously had <laughs> good friends. So I was, yeah, that's how it kind of started. And obviously went to the AS and went from there. Wow, gosh, it's so fascinating for myself when you're someone who doesn't have a really clear vision from the time you're a kid about what you want to do, you kind of try and keep all the doors open. But I also love hearing from people who didn't keep any other doors open because you're like, I'm not even going to indulge a backup plan because this is what I want to do. And you throw everything at it. And you guys are the ones that make it because you just throw everything at the dream. I guess we're lucky because otherwise we'd all be screwed because we're <laughs> <laughs> no education. <Whoops>. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was pretty determined to get it done. So Yeah, well, what I'd love to ask, just a couple of questions on this part of your careers, because again, I know we can find out a lot. I mean, everything about both of your stellar careers that are still continuing elsewhere. But um, one of the things that I think is broadly applicable to everyone who has a goal they want to achieve that's massive, like the NBA or like playing for your country, 
But in all the chapters before you get there, you can't just wake up and play NBA. You have to go through, or you can't just wake up and play for the Phoenix. You have to go through all the different leagues and all the different steps and you have to get knocked back a lot of times. And there's so much along the way that feels like two steps forward, one step back or the reverse. Like I, I you know, was reading that you and Patty Mills were at the AAS and driving around in his Mazda 626 and like <laughs> you guys have ended up, you know, where you are now. But when you aren't there yet, it can be really easy to lose motivation towards like how far away it still seems from where you are when you're not where you want to be yet how do you stay focused on that goal how do you like just trust that you will get there eventually and it's worth keeping putting one foot in front of the other particularly now for everyone where everything is moving so much slower it's so frustrating when you know you can get there but you've got to put in the hard yards first I guess for me it was even I remember I played for a club called the No Longer City Tigers, which was in Adelaide and around the corner from our house. And not that it was like, I, I don't think at the time I thought it was a setback, but like trying out for the division one team and, make, and not making it and could be put in the second team and trying out for the state teams, which Renee mentioned about being captain and all that, like getting cut from those teams. And I only ever made it as a top age. So I never made it the first year. I always made it the second year as when I was the, the older guy or older kid at the time. I don't, I don't think, I will, me and you'll figure this out, but we're very, very different. Like, <laughs> we'll not make a team or whatever and figure out like I wasn't strong enough or I need to be quicker or whatever the reasoning that she probably thought or the coach had told her. I'm a lot more laid back with it with like, I'll figure it out. I'll try and figure it out myself. I'm not a big, talker as Renee will attest to I kind of keep a lot to myself and just kind of figure it out along the way and yeah I I guess the easier part of the NBA was that I never thought I would make the NBA so early on I wanted to play for Adelaide 36 and I wanted to play for Australia and I was lucky enough going to the AS playing in the NBL which didn't end up being Adelaide for multiple reasons but obviously like you said before, kind of everything happens for a reason and mm. very glad with the decision, not only because I met Renee, but oh. <laughs> um, just oh. even, even the basketball there and the people I was around with Shane Hill, Jacob Holmes, some of these guys, Brian Gorgian, who 12 years later I win a bronze medal with, being around some of those guys and then going in the NBA draft when you think you're ready, quote unquote ready, or your managers think you're ready probably more than anything. And not getting drafted. And I remember sitting at a friend's house in California watching the draft and my agent was calling me like, yeah, there's a good chance of this and this. <laughs> 60 guys get picked and it's like 15 are gone, 30 have gone, 45 have gone. I'm like, shit, I'm not getting picked. Like you kind of hit this realization. But I was very lucky that one, I had an English passport so I could go play in Europe. But I just, I guess I just tried to kind of enjoy and embrace the journey as it was like I yeah I'm in division two and I'm 14 like I still had good friends I still enjoyed it I played basketball because I enjoyed it I never thought I'd make all this money and have this house and like whatever it is the more materialistic stuff and I, I still think more or less it's still the same way today like yeah all that stuff's great but I I play because I love my teammates I love the kids and Renee coming to watch I love, like it's there's a lot more to it than just like a salary and, and all that stuff. So went to Europe and was pretty happy there. I think different country, like different experience. We got to live in Barcelona for three years. We lived in Granada my first year for a little bit. We lived in Israel and Tel Aviv. And yeah, just kind of kept, I guess, kept plugging away slowly, knowing that in my mind, I thought I was getting better and better each year. 
let alone, I don't know if I was or not at the time. And the only clear kind of thing I did know was by the last year was my fifth year in Europe in, in, in Tel Aviv. I was like, I am not going back to Europe. I'd had <laughs> enough of Europe. I didn't want to live there. She was still playing. So we were doing long distance and all that. I was like, I'm either making an NBA or I'm going to go play for Melbourne or Adelaide, like whoever at the time in Australia. So came over to a camp with the Clippers was like, yep, this is a chance. This is like the door. I'm 27. The door's like this much open and I'm going to, I'm going to make it. And they, it was a almost like a perfect scenario. If you can think of an NBA perfect scenario, there was one spot left on the team and they only brought in two guys, me and this other guy. And so it was like every day, like, Hey buddy, but like, screw you. I'm trying to, like, (laughs) and I put everything into that. I was there like first there, last one to leave, like trying to do everything I could to make it. And got cut on the last day as the story has been told, but like Renee was on the plane flying over and I probably thought I was going to make the team before she landed and then landed and was like, Hey, I got, got cut. <gasps> Do you want to hang out in LA for a little while? <laughs> we had a few yeah. days in LA to, to, I guess, try and figure out what we were going to do or what I was going to do career wise. And then we were sitting at lunch at some like Asian restaurant or something and got a call from my manager and I was like quickly like, <laughs> and he's like, Utah Jazz won you. You got to fly out like now kind of thing. So we didn't even like finish our meals, paid the bill, ran off, <laughs> packed up our bags, got to the airport, Googled where Utah was because we had literally no, like we don't grow up in Australia. Like, hey, let's go to Utah. Like yeah. it's not a. Yeah, I was going to say, had you even been there before? No. <laughs> it's like LA or New York. No, never. And we had suitcases full of clothes for LA and yeah. in the snow here in Utah. And landed here and then it was again back to that like this yeah. is my last chance i'm gonna literally wow. put everything in I was on a non-guarantee my first year and obviously ended up making the team my first year signed a two-year deal after that and signed a four-year deal and then we thought we'd be a, here for a year and here yeah. eight years later <laughs> eight, eight years, years in utah so, you guys um, it's pretty long-winded answer but i think for me it was just like i don't really get too high or too low like i'm pretty like i would say that about joe with about butting in on you is that what you see is what you get with Joe and whether it's a win or a loss or anything in between or a setback, I don't think I've ever even heard Joe really say that he's had a setback because it's just like, Oh, well on with the next day. And then what's next? What, what training's next? What team's next? What's sort of next on the calendar? It's never, he doesn't really dwell on anything as such. He loves revenge. <laughs> so if someone cuts him team or says he can't do something yeah, then course, no, you know like, even if it's a couple of years later he's like yeah for that person. like the redhead teacher obviously sort of saying out loud as he's as he's yeah. doing it yeah but he, he really doesn't dwell on anything I think that's one of our big, biggest differences but one of the biggest levelers for me while I was still playing is that Joe was so laid back and didn't care too much about anything which <laughs> I mean that in, in the right way it was, it was a really nice way to play though like there was sort of well, I was just always like a more relaxed attitude around it all. Whether and especially uh, once you add yeah. kids to it too, it's like the game's great. And it's again, given us a lot of this in life and whatever, but it's like, I still got to get up and take Miller to school at seven forty-five, and still got to do this and that. And obviously everything with Jacob. And even when I was playing in Europe, it's like, if I don't make the NBA, like I'm still making good money. And it's a good, I'm still getting to explore the world. Like it'll figure itself out. Like I'm not going to, What's the point of me sitting up at night stressing over like something when it's like almost it's out of my control to a certain extent? It's the same with the boomers, like fourth, fourth, fourth. Do you like give up? Well, it's like 
no, we'll just have another crack. Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, we're supposed to just whinge <laughs> in the corner and like give up, like, figure it out and go back again. And we just kept changing little things and obviously got the outcome, but two very different careers <laughs> in yeah. terms of that stuff with how prepared and no stone unturned and mm. whatever they would do. And I'd be like, eh. I'm going to grab a bird and figure out the game tomorrow. I'm just going to win a medal tomorrow. Yeah, I'm kind of like what Joe said is I was more the athlete that would critique everything, every performance, good, bad, why that happened, why that didn't happen. If I didn't make a team, then I would get feedback straight away and I would really analyse that feedback probably too much rather than just taking it for what it was. Like if they said Renee wasn't strong enough, she was coming back like the strongest person (laughs) in the world. Yeah, I think that's... She's a bodybuilder now. You know... (laughs) Even in, you know, I can think back to primary school sports and then state teams and whatever it was that I was always willing to outwork anyone. So whilst there was obviously raw talent and stuff there and I understood the game, I was always willing to outwork or work the hardest, which I think at times in my career was also a detriment to me and what I could have achieved as well. Certainly lost a lot of sleep over the time worrying about things and having anxiety over things that I couldn't control, whether that be other people in the team or, you know, playing my performance in my mind before it's even happened. But, you know, hindsight's yeah. a wonderful thing. But I definitely think that it was my work ethic overall that probably, you know, saw me standing on the podium and, and crying tears because I was able to win those medals. So I think when I think about the chapters of my life and, you know, we are just saying this to a couple of friends the other night at dinner is I've always would talk about periods of my life or teams that I've made, teams that I haven't made, setbacks, highs, lows. Now I just say the chapters of my life, honestly, were before kids and after kids. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, because I'm not a different person. I've got all of the same values and wants and needs and loves and passions and all of those things. But the Renee before kids, as opposed to the Renee after kids in both a career sense, a wife, all of those things, a friend, all of those things, of course, I've had to adapt and change. And I think had I learned some of the lessons that I had from being mum and had put them into my career earlier on, then, wow, I, you know, I think my career co- probably could have been better or achieved more. Coming from more. the Liz Ellis dive and a million medals and it's still <laughs> been better. Yeah, but, you know, you just, you, you just get perspective, I think, and I think I played better netball after having kids with, you know, less work but more quality training, more perspective, less stress, less anxiety over any of those things that I couldn't control, purely one because I was too tired to do this <laughs> while I played after having kids and having the kids on the sidelines. And there was just, I think, different. It's a totally different life off the court as opposed to on the court before and after kids. So I think I'm still obviously living the chapter since having the kids. But yeah, I just see everything that happened before as that chapter of my life. And then this is the next one now that I'm on. I don't know about you guys, but I get such a rush of motivation and energy to keep learning and upskilling when I hear from our guests each week. If you're feeling the same, I am so thrilled to share that I'm hosting a free small business bootcamp series presented by our partner in Yay, PayPal. Putting some incredible guests, connections and targeted tools at your disposal from the comfort of your own home. There are three webinars in the series so far, optimizing your online strategy for sales, which we've 
already had, but it is still online for you to go back and catch up. It blew me out of the water. I took so much away from our panellists, so make sure you go and have a watch. Social media strategy for small businesses, the topic we all want to know about. And thirdly, buy now, pay later, exploring the future of payments. Pop September 23rd and October 21st for those remaining two in your calendars. And I've included the link to register in the show notes. One giant silver lining of the past year or so has been getting access to some of the cleverest minds and their wisdom without having to go anywhere. So don't miss the chance to take advantage while you can. Hopefully see you there, neighborhood. interesting I feel like whether it's kids or a big life event or an illness or whatever it may be breaking that cycle of stress and like prioritizing everything as urgent and just smashing yourself into the ground for particular goals I feel like everyone has a, a wake-up moment of before that where everything mattered and then after that where your priorities become so clear and everything suddenly crystallizes well and it's the pandemic yeah. has done the same thing to all of us you know it's given us all so much perspective and maybe given everyone a little bit more direction and understanding of what we can actually be grateful for. And that's the small moments in life or the small social interactions that have been taken away from us or, you know, before the pandemic complaining that we had to go to work. <laughs> it's a privilege. Now, people can't yeah. go to work. You know, it is, it's a privilege. So I think kids do that to you regardless. And then again, yeah, you put the pandemic on top of that and Wow, there's a whole lot of reflection time. I think. I'm the same, much more like you, Renee, in terms of like overthinking, overanalyzing, worrying about everything. But the quote that really helps me is the five by five rule. It's if it's not going to matter in five years, don't give it more than five minutes. And there's not a single time where that hasn't worked out really well. Like things just don't matter. <laughs> but are you like me in that I could actually like get to a point of justifying in my mind. Well, that yes, absolutely. Because the hypothetical like, situation. It's not yeah. going to matter in five years. I'll yeah, make it yeah, totally. Years. I'm like, my astrologer thinks <laughs> that the cards might say that it's going to matter in five years. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Taurus is in Mercury, is in yeah. Venus, and I can't, I can't explain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That's where John and I find our balance, I think, where it complete opposite ends of the spectrum and all of that sort of stuff, which has been really nice throughout each other's careers is maybe meeting in the middle a little bit there. So keeps it fun. Well, it's obvious that you've become a perfect match for each other, the love story. <laughs> Even though the universe conspired to keep you apart the first time at the AIS, you have since found each other. And I would love you to quickly rehash the love story before we move on to your beautiful kids and what you've been doing. But one more question on your, on your careers quickly before we move into that is just having reached the levels that you have both reached that not many people have and, and get the privilege to experience and know about. There's a lot that we see and it's always very glamorous looking on the outside. And even from courtside, it looked very glamorous from where I was standing. What are like a couple of things or even just one thing from behind the scenes of playing at the Olympics or playing at the NBA or whatever Ooh. about your sports that people who play know, but we would find really surprising. They can be still be glamorous or they can just be like random rituals or like I don't even know blisters that we wouldn't know about like things that happen on a routine basis like I was speaking to Jess Fox after her Olympics and she's like yeah we all use condoms to fix our boats all the time it's like totally the norm yeah I read that somewhere bizarre yeah everyone made a big deal about it like it was the first time and she's like no we do it there it's a sport-wide thing all the time well like, we don't use to fix our basketball 
I think people just don't really, especially in the NBA, like it does, it looks so glamorous because you guys see on, you know, social media and on the TV and in media outlets, these guys walking in and, you know, all decked out, beautiful clothes and fashion sense and all of that. But that's five minutes of that (laughs) whole entire game night. Like a game night for us. Yeah. We were literally just discussing this the other day. I'll go to shoot around in the morning. Yeah for a couple of hours, like drop, drop one of the kids at school, go to shoot around for a few hours, literally come back, have something to eat. I'll go lay down like nine out of 10 days as the odd day that I can't or Renee's got something on that I, like I'm not that superstitious. So like if I, I need to sleep from two to three, otherwise I won't play. Like I, another thing <laughs> that we're very deep, like I can just cruise through like a whole day and whatever. But like, yeah, go lay down for an hour and I'll go pick up one of the kids come home for half an hour and play, do whatever, entertain them for a little bit. And then I'm taking off like three, four hours before the game, getting home at 12, one, yeah. one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then obviously back up for school at seven 30 the next day again, or seven or whatever. So there is a lot, like even today we're in the off season. Now I left Miller at school, seven fifty-five. went to the arena and I went straight to pick up Jacob at two. I left at two 30 to get there by three. So I hadn't been home all day. This is off season, so I'm just doing some of my own stuff and some team stuff. But yeah, I think it's the NBA, especially. You see the money side of it, and we yeah, we stay in nice hotels and drive nice cars and whatever. Granted, like, is the salary exactly like too much or not? Like, it's a lot of money. I, I get that, but the guys work hard for their money. Like, regardless if we can debate all day whether it's they too sacrifice much or, a lot. You sacrifice a lot. We were. No, I'm saving that for one of your other later questions. I was going to say something, but oh, um, oh, but yeah, there is there is a lot of. <laughs> I mean, even just the fact we haven't gone home in two and a half years, like we can't go yeah. home. Jack's never yep. met. We got a ten month old. He's never met any family. Renee's brother's got one year old twin <gasps> girls. Renee's brother and best friend, which is another story. But we've never met them, like the, the, the twin <laughs> girls. So. There's a lot of things. Our twins from like three to five are so different from when our parents last saw them. I know another thing that this drives me crazy and you as the, I feel like you'd be a planner just like I am, overthink everything. Whilst you have the whole NBA season and you can see that in front of us, they don't get their schedules for the next day until like nine or 10 o'clock at night for the next day. What? So for Renee who like plans the next five years, it's, it's been an adjustment. It's hard. Like, it's I'm hard. Like, yeah, I've that makes me anxious. My whole career of getting like my schedule is a text message, like more or less. But the night before. Like Europe was <laughs> maybe a bit more structured, but literally like my life is a text message. Like I wait for someone to tell, me, to tell us what time practice wow. is and then tell Renee like, hey, I've got to leave. And her. I'm often in bed by the time he gets yeah. his text message. So then if I wake, well, I was going to say, if when I wake up with one of the three kids during the <laughs> night, I'll check it like to see, oh, what's Joe's schedule? I just forward, tomorrow? I just forward Renee the schedule every day because it's just like I don't have to explain anything. And yeah, but that's just like the way my life is. Wow. So it's not even, I don't even like talking to you now about it. Like, yeah, it's annoying as hell. Like, we just got the schedule actually pretty early. We got it about like just before we got on the call with you. Yeah. And, but it's like, yeah, that's just how I, it's just more life. like you can't sort of it's hard to schedule things <laughs> like 
with I the mean, kids or doctors or anything Joe trying to be there to do see the kids or whatever it's just it's I mean that's nitpicking seriously no, like no. that's the hardest thing we're dealing with but it's yeah. yeah but it's interesting like you wouldn't think that you'd think you guys would have weeks ahead of yeah it's got one side of it that's extremely glamorous and fancy and like whatever word you want to use but there's another side of it that's a grind and like your body your sleep like we get home from road trips at three in the morning and i'll be up with the kids as early as i can physically like peel my eyes open (laughs) but people just think like oh you're in a nice hotel like it doesn't matter where you sleep three hours sleep is three hours sleep like yeah for sure And kids are kids. A lot more of a grind, and all that. but yeah. also on the flip side, like obviously very lucky, and I love it. Like yeah. I kind of love the lifestyle of being a basketballer. <laughs> yeah, well, well and truly seizing your yay, which is absolutely <laughs> amazing. Yeah. But you have also had to work incredibly hard to win over your wife. I heard that you had to beg for a coffee date for quite a while finally someone has the real story we've know. obviously spoken to someone who knows the real story i don't know who you got, <laughs> who you got that from but that's tell uh, the truth so cannot confirm or deny <laughs> the truth the real real truth which i've like honestly never told the real story because i just don't i just lie every time because it's funny <laughs> and i'll probably still get something wrong so renee will probably but I'm like you might not we have a wife at the end of this, so be careful. Told the real truth before, but this is the real truth. So I'm actually I'm sweating as you say. <laughs> no, so like obviously I moved to Melbourne to play with the Dragons. She was playing for the Vixens, so we're both in Melbourne. And anyone that's listening that's our age or give or take a few years will yeah. know at the time the club called CQ was like the hottest place. <laughs> no. Um, so I used to see Renee, we like basketball and netball is a very small world. Like we all kind of knew each other or through the AS or like whatever it was. It was a very, it was almost like a little small community within itself. And so I'd always see Renee at the, at the place, the bar, or whatever. And I probably saw her a few other times and other things, but it was like, oh, she's all right, I guess. <laughs> but Renee had a, Renee had a boyfriend at the time and I was just being a young idiot at the time. And eventually back in those days we saw her facebook post of like renee is now single or whatever it was <laughs> you know that used to pop up people would change their status yeah. or whatever it was like a full announcement yeah, yeah that's like, what, like to the public no one was. thought it was like an official relationship until you put it on your bloody facebook page or whatever it was but so true. Anyway, did that and i don't know if we'd even like really spoken ever or not but added her on facebook and started talking to her on facebook which is so corny. Her DMs. And then that's probably better than what kids are doing these days. <laughs> it is definitely better yeah. than what kids are doing <laughs> <Yeah>. these days. <laughs> Started uh, obviously just like very regular conversation because we both kind of, she just won the championship. I just won with the dragons as well. We both won the championships right before we met, which is probably why we saw each other partying way too much that week or two. And then it ended up, Asking, oh, I think we whatever swap numbers. So we were talking a bit more normally than Facebook. And then, yeah, I would just keep, I kept asking her, like, let's go to lunch or dinner or breakfast or like whatever. I don't care what meal it is of the day. And she would always say yes. But then I would like wake up in the morning or an hour before and she'd be like, oh, sorry, like the Vixens have got me doing a clinic. I can't come to that. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, I woke up and feel a bit sick. Like, right. And I was like, look, this girl's fucking crazy. Like, no one, we were like, 
going out for dinner this one night and I called and said, I'm so sorry, this has come up, I can't come. But the real thing, I actually don't even know if I've ever told you this. Yeah, I know what <gasps> I had actually gone and got a spray tan and I was driving home in my car. I was like, I clearly can't go out for dinner when I'm just had a spray tan. So obviously you're developing lied and said, I'm so sorry, this has come up with my family and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, this is amazing. But then one day, from her point of view, her mum, she was obviously telling her mum that this like crackhead from Adelaide was annoying her and <laughs> was trying to get her to go out for lunch, dinner, whatever we were trying to do. And her mum ended up saying, like, why don't you just go one day? And then if you hate him, you hate him, you never have to see him again. If he's cool, then like, whatever, like, you figure it out. So good advice, mum. We go ended mom. up again, like, planning a, I think it was lunch, lunch. And obviously like from her point of view, which I know now she was like fully in for this one from my point of view, getting canceled like 6 billion times. <laughs> I was like, screw this. I'm going out tonight on the like Saturday night or whatever. So I went out with my buddies and got home at like the crack of dawn. Cause I was like, I'm going to wake up at some point to a canceled text message anyway. So like whatever. <gasps> And then I woke up like 30 minutes before we were going to do it. And it was like, yeah, I'll see you soon. She was picking me up because of whatever reason. I'd come from a coping. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're hungover. I couldn't drive, physically drive. Seedy as fuck. Well done. Well done. She had a clinic or whatever. So I was like, fuck, like shower, shower, put like spray too much cologne because I felt like alcohol. <laughs> and then she picked me up in, in, in her Vixen's car because she covered in Vixen's <gasps> Like covered. I came in sweatpants because I was like, I really don't care about. And I was, I was in jeans and a jacket. Like, and that like, is so. I would never go out and meet someone in sweatpants. <laughs> but anyway, well, he just asked you out to breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or whatever. Like, <laughs> if he asked you like that, I'd probably wear track pants. Oh, God. So we ended up going to a place on Ackland Street or whatever it was in St Kilda. Had lunch. Renee, like, ate, like a typical, like, oh, I don't want to eat in front of a boy, like, like nibbling. <laughs> so I was, and I was like hungover as hell. So I was like, she was going to the toilet, stealing her lasagna and shit because I was so hungry. <laughs> then we ended up, she dropped me back. It was all like good or whatever. And then I just, we were texting a bit. And then we ended up hanging out again that night. I went to her house and we watched a movie. Same day. Stop it. Same day, two dates. Ordered pizzas day. and just hung out or whatever. And then, like every day since then, we I think we saw each other every day after that until I left. I had already signed a deal in Spain, so I was like, "He was leaving a month later on the clock <laughs> for nine or ten months." So we were like, oh, and then "Oh my god!" We kind of just hung out every day, like doing whatever, like because we were both still training and doing whatever we had to do. And then it was like, kind of like, "All right, well, if you want to come yeah. over, you can come over. We'll see, what, like, see what happens." I'm got like, I. Signed. I can't get out of it. Not that I would have got out of it. It was just like super, like we literally just had fun knowing I was leaving in a month. So we were just like, whatever, like clearly it's yeah. not go anywhere, but it's been good. And I was like, oh, shit, you'll fly over to Spain if you want, you know. Oh, just come on. Well, I heard see, that you knew right away that you wanted to marry her. So we had the first lunch or whatever it was, and we were talking throughout the day. And I think it was in those text messages or whatever I told her. I, was I can her. fill the gaps of the details here. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I feel like it needs some gap filling. I picked him up <laughs> and went on our first date in sweatpants, track pants, which that Hot. is just like, what? That's a power move, Renee. That is a power move. Like anyone who knew me at the time, I would never do that yet. Little did I know that, uh, like, that was for him just like, this is my dream girl. She, I don't even have to wear jeans for this girl. I can wear sweats. 
I don't um, wear, I've got like one pair of jeans. I do not wear, I'm like sweats 24 <laughs> seven. So there's not one fancy bit of clothing in my <laughs> Anyway, we hung out. I was meant to go into another clinic that afternoon, but we were like oh, enjoying Katie, each other's company. That So I texted Caitlin Thwaites and I was like, Thank you, Caitlin. Yes, Katie, we're here today because of you. And she covered the coaching clinic for me. I got changed in the car to go to lunch and a movie, which again, I never on like a first date would I go and get changed in the car, but there you go. This is apparently who I was that day. Anyway, we hung out. It was really good. I dropped him back home and wasn't even turned out of his street. And I got a text message saying, we're going to get married. I'm going to marry you. (gasps) Yeah. Oh my God. That's the best. I might've still been drunk. Here it is. Yeah. (laughs) I can definitely for far too much cologne because yeah. if I actually sit here and really think about it, I can still smell that. You cologne. can smell like, it. There was like a lot of cologne. You know, how, you know how when someone's <laughs> drank it and the breath smells like alcohol. So I was oh like, yeah. I finally got this girl to come and I haven't been cancelled on. Now I'm gonna smell like an idiot and she's gonna think I've been out all night, which I had been, but like which you absolutely had. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's been what a 12, 13 years now, and it's yeah, here we are. So she up- and you can still smell the cologne. And that's actually the first time he's ever admitted to anyone with me being around that he actually did the chasing. So I recorded this, yes, so you've got you. it forever. Yes. <laughs> she did come to and then she came to Granada and Hang out with me, and then I did. after that, I was like, "I guess we have to." Take we it. spoke on Skype our... every day. Remember when you used to Skype yeah. before Facebook? Guess we have to change Skype. our Facebook status now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guess we should make it official on face Facebook official. It was God. complicated. It was complicated. <laughs> it's with Renee, and it's complicated. Remember, you could have a person, and it's complicated yes, with is... the person. <laughs> but literally, it's been twelve, thirteen years now, and I think. Eight or nine of those have been long distance. So, oh wow, it's been tough. It's hard, but here we are. Oh, Three kids later, living in Salt. Three City. kids. Three kids, and also two incredible careers. I mean, you guys have juggled more. I mean, marriage and children in themselves are enormous endeavors to do with anyone, and still be able to have a chat with them sit next to each other on a couch and tell your love story with a smile on your face. But, uh, you know, managing long distance and two careers as well that are com- have competing needs and and then three kids and then, oh, gosh, you guys are just... Well, I think a part of that as well is a, like a, a little bit of why it works as well. It's like... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I've got to, whatever, go to Spain. But no, all right, we'll f- like figure it out. Like I've got to be in Australia. Okay, we'll figure it out. Like... Off season, I've got to go with the boomers. All right, well, like come to Sydney or wherever. Like, like it's just, it is what it is. Like, I was never going to go tell Renee, like, no, you can't play this year. You've got to come to Spain and sit in the crowd and watch me play and give up your career. Like, <laughs> like it's just not an option. Like, all right, I'm going to the Olympics. Like, all right, we'll figure out how to, like, can you get there? All right, if you can, let's figure it out. Like, I remember one all star break, I flew to england liverpool liverpool to watch like two games with the australian diamonds because i was My like first ever games the you just figure like what wow. am i supposed to do like i'm not gonna not you just make it like work. if i can so like you just you just figure it out like so it's i honestly think too like we always laugh about it like people say oh what works in your marriage or what doesn't or whatever i think we always joke about it but at the end of the day we feel like we've always been in the honeymoon period because even with joe's career now and we're living here 
No, I mean that in that we've always had so much time apart that the time that we're together, it's like we have to enjoy it. It's quality time. And that's still the same now, even though we're living in the same state and I'm not travelling and not playing and all of those things. But Joe's still away so much. Like he's just got back from the Olympics. He was away for eight weeks. Last year he was in the bubble for nine weeks. In the NBA season, he's travelling in and out, away for 10 days here, 12 days there, four nights here, three days there. And then when he is home, there's game nights and all that sort of stuff. So... I think it's just like treasuring that quality time that we've had and we've always had to do it. So, you know, we met and then a month later we left for nine months. So when that re- sounds normal. We don't <laughs> yeah. know any yeah. difference to that with us. So. When, when I retire, we'll see if you still work then. Yeah, no, we're really <laughs> Yeah, I was like, going to say, oh, my God. <laughs> we still like each other then. No, well, the, the, the one time we did after we got shut down and we had a, a couple of months or something yeah. where – we were the first team to like put COVID on the map a little bit. So we were pretty strict with our lockdown. So we like, I was at home every single day, which probably for everyone, all of us at times what was, was that stressful. Tone you just used? I'm worried about what you're going to say. I was <laughs> home every single day. No, well, I said it for <laughs> When we were just talking about that the other night too, yeah, I we were. had been away for seven weeks with the Olympics and I came home and obviously like Renee had a list of things she wanted to do understandably because she'd been stuck with three kids for seven weeks. And so I was like, you do what you need to do. And like the first three or four days I, di- I didn't leave the house post Olympics. I was just here with the kids. And this is me like taking an hour out of the Yeah. Day, like it's not like, like she, I'm not leaving. Yeah, she wasn't gone all day. I've like, <laughs> Go and get your a nails done. Bender. Go and have coffee with your friend. Like go and do, yeah. do what like you deserve to do. And, <laughs> Like day three or four, I was like, when I came back and I was like, I don't know how you stay at the house like all day because this is, I can't. Hard. I, yeah, it's, <laughs> I could do it if I really had to, but like it's, now I know it's why tough. you want to like go have an hour in the gym with not the kids like hanging off your back for yeah. fucking 20 minutes. I think what will get us through Joe's retirement is that I'm 100% going into the workforce after that, we're just going to completely swap roles again and then... Yeah, it's my turn. That, it's my turn. Be, yeah, yeah. No, that'll be our survival mechanism well, that, for next chapter. <laughs> that is a big thing, Renee, that you, you guys have had twins, Miller and Jacob, and then Jack was born last year and that you left the game in your prime. It wasn't, you know, like you'd, you were tapering already or you were already planning to take a back seat or you were ready to retire, you know. It was, it was a big... Exclusive pathway. Yeah, yeah. How has that been for you? As I mean, even now, sometimes when you talk about your career, you say, I was or it was in the past tense, as if you might not do it again. So how how has that been for you? Well, from my perspective, in hindsight, the time that I retired was probably absolutely perfect because then COVID hit the next season. There's absolutely no way we could have juggled our lives from different countries and managing COVID and you know, netball moved into a bubble into Brisbane and all of that sort of stuff. So in hindsight, it was actually the perfect time. I think it was literally last week, it was two years ago that I officially retired and it was my last game and haven't even been in a netball stadium since because we haven't been back in Australia yeah, since. Course. I've watched all the games. Um, I've watched a lot from over here and replays and all of that sort of thing. I think at the end of the day, I'll never regret the decision that I made because I made it for Joe and the kids, but I think if we hadn't have got Jacob's diagnosis of autism, that I would have kept playing, which is hard because I felt like 
yeah, I was at a, in a time in my life that where we were with the kids and where I was in terms of where I was at my career that I had great netball to play or could have kept getting better and learning. And I loved that. And I was at a team, the Vixens won it the next year, um, which is always, of course, hard to watch because we got knocked out in the prelim final the year before. But I just, there's no regret. Is there hurt? No, not really. However, there's just that burning desire inside me to do something else. And I don't know what that is yet. I'm running a marathon, but that is definitely not a bucket list item for me. I'm doing it for our charity, Culture City, and I'm doing it for Jacob and and one of our best friends, kids, Oliver, who are both on the spectrum. So I'm doing it for them. So that's giving me a little bit, I think that's a Band-Aid at the moment. It's a temporary temporary solution. I don't know what's next and I, I wish that I could still be playing in the netball arena. I do definitely miss it. I don't miss the meetings. I don't miss the politics. I don't miss... Ice baths and fitness testing and pool skin sessions. folds and I hate pool oh, skin so folds. I don't oh miss any of that. But, you know, I, I certainly miss running out there on match day with some of my best friends and playing the game that I love. And I have to admit every time I sit in the arena and one of my absolute favourite things to do is to watch Joe play. But that, you know, when you hear the music it playing and, the, and the, the crowd loud and, and Joe doing so well that it's, it's hard. It's hard not to go to that space of, oh, what if that was me? What if I could still do that? But yeah, I don't think I can ever look back and regret that decision because, you know, our kids are absolutely thriving. And yeah, given that COVID had hit and we've all been through the last couple of years that we had been through that I would have had to retire due to COVID because I wouldn't have even been able to get back to Australia. So I'm glad that that was sort of all taken out of my hands, but mm, that was a long-winded way of saying I definitely miss it. <laughs> yeah. The door is closed on playing professional netball, but I'm hoping that something else can open. I just don't know what that is. But even when we got we got pregnant, Renee got pregnant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, no, what are you telling yeah. me? <laughs> Science Probably. is pretty amazing these days. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> like even having Utah is like really progressive. Wow. <laughs> the <laughs> Like I remember her retirement press conference with Adelaide and sitting there and having photos and like, oh, yeah, like this is the end. And she probably knew it too, but we both kind of knew like this is the end because it almost like had to be at that time, but it wasn't going to be the end. Like yeah, Renee wasn't ready to stop playing. It was just that there was like a bump in the road because we were going to have these kids and that's what was going to happen at that time. Already for that. had the kids. Yeah, or had, had the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 10 months old. But I knew that she was going to go back eventually, whether it be the year after, however long after, she was going to figure it out and get back. And I guess glad that she got an opportunity to at least play. And because same thing, like I loved sitting there with the twins and watching her play. Like it was pretty cool to be on the flip side of it because I probably didn't think I would get to do that, especially with with kids because of obviously the female being a pretty important part of that. But to be able to sit there, like I remember sitting courtside for a couple of games, and the twins were sitting on my knees and like waving to Renee, and I get to do that at my games. Like Miller and Jacob will wave and scream my name, and they weren't that far, but like to wave and all that. So it was it was cool to be able to do that and get back and see her play with the kids or post kids. But 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she ended up playing professionally again either. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, unless the team wants a washed-up Renee three-kids. Oh, stop. And- You're running a yeah. marathon. Exactly. <laughs> but I think it's really it's a lovely reminder that you can miss something without regretting that you're not doing it anymore mm-hmm. and also that beautiful new beginnings are often disguised as painful endings that have to happen at a particular time but that doesn't mean I think what's so exciting about chatting to you now is that you're in that agitated phase where you're agitating for a new joy and you, you don't know what that is yet and people forget that like people like you have that too you know it's not just normal people who aren't living at this high level career everyone at the brink of a new chapter has that discomfort and that's why the discomfort it sucks because it's uncomfortable but that's what forces the next chapter and so I'm so excited to see what you do next but in the meantime let's talk about the marathon yeah (laughs) tell us about that and also the charity and I mean what you guys are doing with Culture City and you have four ASD kids as well I think everyone has heard of autism everyone has heard of the spectrum not a lot of us understand what to look out for, how it's diagnosed, how to treat it, if it's treatable, and also what you guys are doing with the foundations and, and how we can support you. Yeah, well, autism, I think, has changed our lives forever in the best way possible, which I know some people listen to and go, what, like your child's got autism? But it's something that we definitely celebrate. We knew what autism was before Jacob got diagnosed, but we had absolutely no idea what living with autism actually meant or felt like or what that meant for the family moving forward. And in a nutshell, autism can look so many different ways in so many different individuals. In fact, you won't ever meet two autistic individuals that present in the same way. And for us, it's quite an invisible disability, we like to call it. And it can affect Those that are on the spectrum can be affected in their social interactions, their communication, and also their behaviours. With Jacob, we see him in all different three of those categories in various different ways across the last two and a half years since he was diagnosed. It's really challenging. It's hard, but it has brought so much joy to our family. And I think probably one of the things that has grounded us more than anything in our entire lives or careers or any setback. I think it just brought us back to life a little bit to celebrate the small moments, not just with Jacob, but with Miller and now with Jack and with with each other and and Joe's career and achievements that the small things sometimes matter more than the bigger things. In terms of what we do, I think our purpose now is to give back. We have a wonderful opportunity to give back to a community. We never knew how we were going to do that or what that was going to look like. And I think this was really just given us our purpose and we do it for Jacob and we want a better, more understanding, inclusive future and world for him. So why wouldn't we use our platforms to go out there and talk about it and celebrate him as an individual and, of course, the other two kids just as much as well. We are on the board of four ASD kids in Australia and Culture City over here in America. I got 100% bullied into doing a marathon (laughs) For Culture City, they pulled at every heartstring I had, which wasn't too hard and said you could do it for Jacob. And I decided my closest friend over here, my best friend, my lifeline, probably my second husband, probably see her more than what I see (laughs) Joe. Yeah, they have a little boy, Oliver, who is four months younger than Jacob who has also recently just been diagnosed as on the spectrum and I decided 
you know, I've never wanted to run a marathon. Anyone who knows netball knows that it's a speed and power sport. It's not yeah. long distance running. So whilst all of these people who write the loveliest supportive messages to me on Instagram that I can do it because I was an athlete, well, a very different athlete, not a marathon. Yeah, I throw a it's ball. It's not one of those things that I've ever looked at and gone, oh, my gosh, I want to run for life five hours straight like yeah. just, that doesn't inspire me but it's not on my bucket list it's not I'm your joy do it. because do you know what some days for Jacob and for Oliver are incredibly difficult and challenging and there's so much across their day that they are told that they cannot do or that they yeah. maybe find more challenging to do and you know what we make them do it we teach them how to do it so that's why I'm doing the marathon I'm facing my fear of running for four or five hours and while I do it, hopefully raising a lot of money for Culture City. So that's where my inspiration comes from. That's where what at the moment is getting me through those really long Sunday runs, that and the Seize the Eight podcasts. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm doing it. It's really hard. And I don't want to sound like a whingy girl saying that, but I'm finding it no, really you don't, hard. Babe. It's, it's five really hours. Hard. It's not. Marathon's no. <laughs> Not my jam. You know, if I'm going to leave Joe and the kids for a couple of hours to run on a Sunday, you know, I, there are better things that I, I would love to go out for breakfast and coffee with my girlfriends. <laughs> run to a massage parlor and run back. <laughs> As my time away from the kids. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we're getting there and, and I'm ticking the boxes and now it's about six weeks away. So I'm really excited for it to be over and I'm at about 60% of my goal of raising about $15,000. So fingers crossed we can get there. Oh, my gosh. And that is so extraordinary. We're training for the Melbourne Marathon, but I'm doing the half, which as a former non-runner recently converted to actually I loved run. I've loved running you? in lockdown. It's been amazing. But 21 still feels pretty long. So I can't imagine oh. having to do double that. That's just extraordinary. <laughs> we only just found yes. out. It was meant to be uh, in October, but we just found out because of the <gasps> lockdowns it's been pushed out to oh December. And I'm like, I can't keep up this level of training and fitness until then. What do you mean? I, I've trained to peak on a particular day. <laughs> but I also love that the reason for you is because, you know, the boys, they do have to do a lot of things that are really uncomfortable for them. So you're doing something that's really uncomfortable for you. It's just really Yeah, beautiful. it's more that, you know, you've got to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. So, yeah, I'm doing it and, you know. How can we support you in that? How can, can anyone just donate or can – can they jump online? Oh, yes. I have a fundraising page, which is on the Culture City website under their fundraising and donation section. So I'll be able to give you the link and you could put it in your show notes. That would be amazing. But even if people could shout me a coffee, that much is the donation. I know it's a really scary world at the moment out there and, and people are having a lot of financial hardship, certainly with COVID and all of those things. So I understand how tough it is for everyone, but shout me a coffee with a donation and I would really, really appreciate it because I'm, I'm doing it for a greater cause and hopefully for a, a more inclusive world. Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm sure there are, there'll be so many people in the neighborhood who can shout at least a coffee in your journey. You guys are doing really, really wonderful things. Thank you. And raising awareness of something, as you mentioned, like people might've heard of it and, and know about the diagnosis, but not understand what it's like to live with or how you can help, you know, the boys live their, their best lives. 
I've had such a great time discussing the story with you guys that as I always do, I've run us well over the hour. So I might just skip past NATA, even though we have discussed quite a lot of the challenges along the way anyway, and move into the last section, which is your play TA. And as we spoke about before, you know, we touched on the idea that it's really important to get some distance from what you're doing and not just go 120% all the time on your passion because you're a better player or a better worker when you get perspective and and you know get some distance from things and and find some joy but that can be really hard when you your profession is your passion which in both of your cases it has been but maybe that makes it even more important to find a hobby or something to do outside of your working life so for you guys what makes you really joyful what do you do just for fun and and what's your play TA I feel like Doe's answer here could completely contradict how grounded he was at the start and what he does. You love fast cars and looking at houses and, <laughs> and, and cool stuff. That everything no, that I do an have ungrounded some, person would do. I've got some weird hobbies. Not weird hobbies, but Not weird. I'm obsessed with like real estate. So I... <laughs> I I invest in real estate for my family. Not for his long term yeah. retirement plan. I no, yeah. I do. And we're like we're building a house at the moment, so like things like that keep us very very busy. I do have a old school car kind of obsession as well, but I don't have many that. Nice. But I think it for both of us too. It's it's a lot of it. Like Renee got her little mates friends here that she'll go and catch up with, and I'm like, but it's like the, I think the most fun and switch off and, and get away from it all is just kind of like either hanging here with the kids or going across the, the road to the park or we took him to San Diego for a week after the Olympics just to get away as a family and like get being in the pool with the kids all day and stuff like that. Like it's, I think going back to earlier when you're talking about like our schedule and Renee being stuck at the house kind of thing and trying to get out for a marathon run and I'm away and all that when there's, probably not that often that we're all five of us like the kids are at school and Jack's napping and there's like so much going on. <laughs> five of us aren't actually like always really together at the same time, awake and happy and like it's a, yeah. to get Jack not crying and Jacob not Logistics. Yeah, like it's just, so when we can actually all be together and be outside or go to the park or go make a little quick trip somewhere to, to spend some time together and give the kids memories and Jacob before San Diego kept telling Renee, like, I want to go to the beach, I want to go to the beach. And we're like, The beach is Australia. He thinks that's yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah. Which we obviously couldn't do that. So he I know. made yeah. up a beach in San Diego. and <laughs> He loved it. Yeah, I think they're the things that my own personal hobbies are great, but I kind of try and do them on the side or on the road or at night whenever kids are in bed. But I think when we can be all five of us together is – the, the most fun, like playing yeah, laser tag laser the other day tag. around the house. It was <laughs> I love area. that. Laser tag so much fun. Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> also, I've been looking at some of Bianca's photos. Utah is beautiful. There are so many amazing places you can go hiking. I, never, I have no I have no picture of Utah in my brain. A whole lot. You get like the best of both worlds. So in the summer, it's like the desert hot, like 40s, it's boiling 40s, hot, yeah. dry, like miserable and then in the winter it's like the complete opposite it's like three feet of snow white christmas yeah white, oh, sledding sledding oh my god 
gosh. Yeah. Mi- miserable on the other, in the, on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> so I see why you chose a, a sport that you can play inside a temperature-controlled court. Yeah. yeah. Heated. Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, no, it's, it is beautiful. Like, the National Park's great. We live kind of just on the base of the mountain, so you get a bit of a view downtown and it's actually a nicer city than we've been here eight years now. Like, we remember first getting here and there was, like, four restaurants and they were, like, the typical, like, Cheesecake Factory and Olive Garden and all them. And now, like, oh. any food you want, you can get a really good meal, any kind of cuisine or, or whatever. Like, it's... Um, we actually say that Salt Lake City to us is very much like the Adelaide of Australia. Yeah. Like a big country town oh, wow. but with the hills just not far away um, where you can get up for a ski and all of that sort of thing. Very close-knit community. You know, you know, you run into Bob who knows that Jenny, who knows, like everyone knows everyone. It's a really nice small town. Which is even more like feel. close-knit than we thought since yeah. the kids are going to school because now yeah. they're all like, oh, they all, we all know oh, everyone. Yeah, everyone like, knows oh. everyone. Although we're just, we're just the random Australians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that's lovely. Just to finish up, second last question, three interesting things about each of you that don't normally this come up in thing. interviews. And oh, he's don't got him. He's I got him. Down, I You're special, you know. This is don't prepare. I feel anything. very I special. You go, Renee, can go first because hers. Something I thought about this. Something that absolutely no one knows about me is I have really, really like ringlet hair, like curls, really? lots of curls. Yeah. No one ever oh knows that. Oh my gosh! It looks so straight. Social media, no one would ever believe that. But how long do you have to straighten oh, it? Do no, you do it every so, day, nah, or is it chemically so, straightened? No, no, no. So thin that I just like wash it and then blow dry or straighten it. And I only really wash my hair maybe once or twice a week. So yeah, gal, I hear you. We're in lockdown still, especially in the pandemic. There's no one to impress. So no, yep. So there's no. there's one thing. <gasps> That's fascinating. While she's thinking about a second one, my yeah. first one I wrote down was, so it kind of like contradicts a little bit. Like I'm sort of saying I'm not superstitious and all that. I have like weird, it's not superstitious because it's not. I think it is superstitious, but he it's not superstitious, <laughs> but, like, but it happens to okay. evolve completely around game day. So I feel like that makes it a superstition. No, it's just like with my, so like a perfect example is my, beard right now which is disgusting but during the olympics we <laughs> started playing games and we started winning and i was like oh, i'll shave tomorrow or whatever and then and we then won again and then we won again and then we won again it's not just the olympics oh. though this is like yeah and a little bit with the jazz but obviously like over 82 i'm not going to not shave for 82 games because that's disgusting yeah because your wife would look um, you <laughs> but it's not like a he's very particular about yeah like when uh, he I wouldn't say it's like a superstition, but I just like the kind of like keep like just keep rolling with it. Like why why change it? It's not like I I'm pretty sure that's a superstition, it is. Joe. I'm and just like put the it out there. <laughs> has to be done at the right time with the hair trim, which he gets his hair. No, because I can't dog. get if I get my hair cut and my beard done at the same time, I look like I'm twelve again. Can confirm that. Yeah, oh, so, so it's one at a time. I leave my beard, which it is like now, and I'll go get my hair cut soon, which I spoke to my guy today. Um, <laughs> you got a guy, yeah. and then I'll leave that for a few days, and then I'll eventually like trim my beard, and then otherwise it's like going from like looking like a homeless dad to <laughs> oh <my> gosh, <laughs> looking like a twelve. It's a very specific schedule. I could feel like yeah. you've got to really coordinate. But you're saying the that two. like 
Wow. I don't care about shame. And I'm like, Renee's the one that hates my beard more than me. I don't care about it. <laughs> yeah. I hate my husband's beard too, but I also hate clean shaven. Oh, yes, yeah, same. You I'll, look five. I'm like, yeah, little like bit of stubble. Middle. Bit of stubble. Yeah. A weird leg. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I reckon, well, actually, you've actually done a fair deep dive full of research. So if anyone's going <laughs> to guess what my first job was, it's probably you. But my first paying job was on a mobile animal farm. And we used to go to baits no. like and birthday parties and the Blue Healers set. And Renee uh, hates pigs. Yeah, I wasn't. I'm not. Oh, nothing. my God, I love animals. Yeah, well, that would be the best job ever. Job. Can you believe that? On a mobile I actually farm. can't believe that. I thought you were going to say like a mobile phone shop <laughs> or something. <laughs> I was like, okay, I was stopping calm down, Vodafone. Five-year-old kids from killing guinea pigs, basically. And then she was a bartender. <laughs> I was. I was a bartender for three and a half years with Joe Curran. Yep, Clyde Hotel in Carlton. Oh my gosh! My second one that I wrote down was definitely something that people would know, but not as like cool as my beard. <laughs> just a, a second tier fact. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> so since I, I went to Granada my first year in 2008-2009 when we finished the season, I haven't had a Christmas in Australia since then. Since 2008. Wow. So 2008 was my last Christmas in Australia, which we probably played on Boxing Day, I reckon, with the NBL. Yeah. So I probably didn't even really have a Christmas in 2008. So. Ever since I've known Renee, we've never had a Christmas in Australia together or apart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So they've all been Northern Hemisphere yeah. cold Christmases and now it's going to be so weird for you guys when you do get back and have yeah. a hot barbecue a summer in, yeah, Christmas. Yeah, one in a couple in Europe. So yeah. I, I had multiple in Europe, I'm saying. Because the weather, <laughs> the weather was decent there, but the one, everyone in Utah has been snowing. It's kind of nice, though. Christmas when it's snowing is really magical. Well, it's going to be funny with the kids because obviously the they kids, only know white they only, Christmas. They think white Christmas is normal. Yeah. Like it's just they so we'll go home. The, and, the shrimps on the Barbie for yeah. oh, all their Christmas, Christmas cards actually make sense. Yeah, unlike yes. us who right. are like what? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> My third one, which Renee reminded me of the other day when we were talking about it. So I used to get really, really mad at. <laughs> The can openers. Oh. <laughs> like yeah. really, Amazing. really like, quite literally he cannot use a can opener. I would like be losing my mind and swearing. And, like, <laughs> face, she's just like huh? like Renee, like Renee, it's fucking broken. It's like amazing. what the fuck? Scre- Stop swearing. Swear screaming <laughs> the house down and complaining that it's broken and then obviously realize that I'm left-handed. So a left-hander, it's actually a lot more. <gasps> oh. <better. laughs> I think it, it all makes sense. It's possible, but you, like apparently there's left-handed you can, get, like, left-handed can yeah, Actually, your birthday's coming up. Maybe I'll get you a left-handed <laughs> can. Open. What a great present! Yeah. But, but honestly, I practical. thought it was nuts. I was like, because then Renee would be like, "What are you talking about?" Like, click, 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 and the whatever can or whatever would be open, and I was like, yeah. "What the? How did she do?" That? I was like, "It was just broken <laughs> for twenty minutes. Like, you just fixed it, and it's." Love that famous NBA player can't open. Cannot a can. open. Like, a can. Just can't do it. Cannot do it. So the one we've got now, like we've had it for a while, and I figured out how to work it so I can do it. 
and it's does probably doesn't but it's look not very... like yeah you know when the can's just not a neat like <laughs> yeah slice not a smooth break it's almost you like want a smooth the can break. like plugged a little hole and i've like stabbed a knife around it yeah. just to, like, get it you've just been pretending that you can use it you're like look renee i did it but you've got a knife and like hacked around just to like <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me but at that's all. amazing yeah very very difficult to use <gasps> wow the challenges the challenges uh my Third one that I feel like people that know me would know this, but people that are listening who hadn't known us before wouldn't know this, but my favourite meal ever in the entire <laughs> world and no one else can do it the same. Joe has done it really well, but still not the no, same, is my dad's curried sausages. They are oh, my like, God, I love curried sausages. Oh, my gosh. They are just like, oh. God, I miss them. So I'm now great. thinking that I haven't had them in like three years. <gasps> oh, and you can't have to be like curry sausages. the coals, like coals, beef be. sausages, and the, the... no yeah. one else can make it the same. You just get like the perfect mix of curry and yeah. like everything. It's just anyway, my I, favorite meal oh. ever is my dad's curry. curry I still sausages. remember going to Renee's house at the patch one time and she was like oh having dad's courage sausages and i was like no. <laughs> but are they good? no they're they're actually like unbelievable yeah. like it's oh, amazing when you come back home i'm just gonna like turn up on your dad's yeah. doorstep and be like i need an i need to understand yeah. what you're talking about with these sausages but just so you know we do curried sausages with rice where, like white rice whereas a lot of people do curried sausages or like curries with potato but we do it with rice so just just a heads oh. up for when you come it's with rice and the funny part is Renee okay thanks it's not like a bangers and mash it's like <laughs> Renee doesn't rice. like curries yeah. at all so when no. she was saying me like we're having curried sausages I was like don't even like curry like what are you talking about <laughs> what is happening and now you're eating this like, <laughs> you like peppers spicy for Renee and now we're eating it's <gasps> true Wow, guys, I, the whole world knows you so much yeah. better right now. This is so <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> You're going to get all these left-handed can openers. Yeah. The, the sponsorship of left-handed can openers. <laughs> no, or like SPC is going to ship to Utah all the like pool t- the pool tins yes. so that you don't have to use a can yes. opener. <laughs> they are better. So much better, except when you pull them off and then you just screw Yeah. Them. Like when the whole Don't thing comes off that. and then you can't use the opener either and you're just like, well, I'm never going to get the baked beans. It's all yep. over. Well, you can. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and last question, guys. What's your favourite quote? Go on. Yeah. Tell the truth. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't, I'm not a quota. I... Not a quota. No. A lot of people aren't. It's only weird people like me who have one for every situation. Like it just comes out. I think it's a part of like, the early, like I'm just too, like I just kind of. You can't oh, remember anything, so I, I feel remember like you could remember that quote from my like, quote, um, um, and I'd be like, pull my phone out, like trying to Google like best quotes of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just don't. I think a part of it is just like, you know, like kind of just roll with it. Like I'm, I don't need anything to. I have Renee to tell me what to do each day and the text, mes- <laughs> the text message, and the text message is off the fly. But then, yeah, like it's just like. If it's something like not playing well or whatever, like I'll figure it out. Like I don't need a someone from. I don't need quotes. Yeah. For me, I'm going to get a little (laughs) bit cheesy because I had been thinking about this. Obviously, I've listened to your podcast a lot, so I've been listening to everyone else's quotes, and I was just like, oh no, I was feeling like the quote pressure, you know. But I actually have to say for so much of my career and any netballer that has been a teammate of mine and maybe listening would go, oh, my gosh, Renee pulled quotes from here and here and I always used to post quotes and have quotes on my wall and quotes in my diary and all of that stuff. 
And I honestly, when I think about it now, I think it was because I was just outsourcing inspiration all of the time externally rather than sort of getting it from within. I felt like I had to work harder than anyone and then every quote that I could get would inspire me essentially. So I can honestly say that that has totally changed and I'm going to get a little bit cheesy here and tell you that my favourite quote, Joe doesn't know I'm going to say this, my favourite quote is actually one that we've always used and used to say to each other across our journey obviously we talk about being together 12 13 years but we actually had a little break in there for a while and took time apart and that was I think the best thing ever for us but once we found our way back together I think our relationship was a lot better we were still long distance and long distance is really hard and you had to get really good at communicating this is a really long way of telling you this anyway no this is um, beautiful that you're sharing anyway, we had to really learn to communicate and I think our time apart just really made us grateful for what each other could bring, regardless of how completely opposite of each other we are, that we brought each other that balance. And we always used to say to each other, like whether it was Joe's early morning or my late night or my early morning or his late night or just signing off and saying goodbye, whatever it was, we always used to say to each other, thanks for making a difference. And we've probably gone a little bit away from that at the moment, but it is actually still something that not a mantra that I live by or a quote that I live by, but I just think that every person that I cross paths with or, you know, with Jacob or Miller or Jack, the kids or Joe in our relationship is how can I make a difference in a positive way, obviously. So I kind of just, Aww. yeah, we always used to say it to each other. We should probably go back to that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, he's making such a huge difference to my life and hopefully vice versa and, and the kids in going through the pandemic. So thanks for making a difference is something that we always just used to text each other. I thought you were going to say what the last emojis were. That's what I thought you were going oh, to say. Oh, we? Oh, we still do that. So we, I don't even know how it started, but now you're right, like, <laughs> hey, all right, see you later, good night, like wherever we are love or you, love you, like whatever. We would always finish it with the love heart emoji the pound fist and the flames because you know people used to do that like that <gasps> yeah so i don't even know how it started but we used to like joke and do it to each other all the time like when i was leaving the house or like whatever and then it just always i don't even know when it started but it's been yeah we still do it now like to me when i text renee i just automatically do it i don't even think about it anymore and it's probably like that's so cute probably like acting like 12 year olds but it's just like <laughs> maybe maybe that's why thanks for making got scrapped because it was just easier to do the emojis of that. Because he's just like, I prefer, yeah. you know, I don't like words, You babe. know what it means. <laughs> well, there you go. That's, that's, yeah. Oh, that's so emojis. sweet. Both of those are awesome. I love both of them. You both are making such a huge difference. Has anyone ever not given you a quote? No one's ever not given yeah. me a quote. I've had people get, quote themselves, no. which is cute. No, no one's ever given me an emoji before. There you go. That's a pretty good one. That's a flex. I really <laughs> like that, Joe. <laughs> that's a flex well, right there. That's not a flex. Like, when you were saying that, I was like, is she going to? Because I was trying to think of how it started and it was obviously yeah. just a completely random thing that happened and then it's been however many years of just randomly doing it. I'm just doing it. What do you guys call each other? I feel like it's really interesting when you first are around a couple when they're speaking to each other, like you go over to someone's place for dinner and their cute word for each other is like the versions of baby or bub or like, you know, the first time you hear it, you're yes. always like. Well, this is something that no one else <gasps> ever knows. So everyone in the netball world oh, calls me nay or neighbo. That's I've always just been nay. Nay. Like, hey, nay. Hey, nay, nay. Nay, neighbo. Neighbo. Joe has. 
never called me a nickname ever. It's always been Renee. Like he's never called me Nay and everyone else, family, friends calls me Nay. He's never, ever. Refuses. He's always just said no. And I'm like, I guess I'm always in trouble. I don't know. Yeah. Wait, even like there's no bub or babe or anything? Babe, if anything. but No, he would never say babe. You would text it, but you would never actually call me babe. Or I say babe all the time. Babe or Joe. 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 (laughs) Mr. Joe Ingalls. You know, like Joe will go on like tour like with the boomers or go on a long road trip and like it'll just like slip out and then hit yo bro and I'll be like <laughs> no 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 ever again before it's even finished coming out of his lips he's like I'm retracting that so far my husband does the opposite he's like so we um his dad's unwell and he's just gone into quarantine in Tassie. And so we've been doing long distance or medium distance yeah. a little bit this year. But because all his work is online as well, he'll go to other people and be like, hey, honey, or like love you oh. to like one of his mates or one of his clients because we're, we're like texting all the time. Oh, and he's, no. like, <laughs> he's done it so many times. He's like, they all just accept the love heart now. I don't know why I've always called her. I think the whole like nay, nay, both things was like, to me, it was always like her teammates thing. It's not me. Like, I'm not yeah. a teammate to a certain, like, so I was. It's like, bro. It's like, bro to you. It's like, no, we're not broing out. <laughs> Maybe the episode should be called Seize the Nay. Well, I actually did listen in one of your other podcasts. You were saying that you really wanted to get someone, an equestrian person, yeah, because cool. you really Seize wanted to nay. be able to say, Seize the Nay. And I was going to, like, I literally nearly texted you to be like, you could use it. Anyway, I was like, okay, come on. <laughs> But there you go. There's your season name. Oh, you guys, you're amazing. This was absolutely delightful. I've taken up so much of your time, which now even more I appreciate how little time you get together (laughs) at home. So thank you so much for spending a night on the show. This has just been delightful. I'm so excited to follow your journey with the run and uh, see that – that the neighborhood can get behind you. you. I'm excited now to follow your journey with your run as well. And we obviously love what you're doing and all the positive energy that you're putting out there. So keep it up because you have two listeners over here. We love our podcast and we certainly love CCA. So thank you for having oh, us on. It's been so really much. fun. And it's our bedtime. So real, the real housewives of Salt Lake City would yeah. get it. oh even more i appreciate that like i'm the same i'm in bed at 6 p.m if i can so thank you guys so much you've been amazing and i'll make sure to include links to the fundraising pages in the show notes awesome thanks so much like i said at the start i'm a little bit in love with these two i don't know how they keep such a good head on their shoulders but they do it with such grace like we mentioned it would be wonderful if anyone in the neighborhood whose circumstances allow could get around renee's marathon effort coming up in the new york marathon we would so so appreciate it so i've popped some links in the show notes if you'd like to support and as we discussed even the price of coffee can go a long way in the fight so anything that you can afford to give would be so very much appreciated if 
you enjoyed listening, as always, it means so much when you shower our guests with love or share the episode with your takeaways to thank them for their time. So please, if you're sharing, tag Joe Ingalls and Renee Ingalls so they can hear what you thought. Also, if you're listening, Bianca, the wonderful human who I have to thank for this amazing episode, who has moved over to Utah to work with the family. Thank you so much for making this possible, you amazing woman. I'm so grateful for your endless support and love for the neighborhood. Hope you guys are all having a wonderful week and a seizing your yay. 